Morning all. Um, I'm really going to pray for you guys, um, with it being my first time. My, um, my wife, who was at ZZ's last night, chose to get on a train and leave town last night. I, and I'm not sure whether that is a reflection on my capabilities uh, or the fact that she needed to be with our daughter in Portsmouth, um, who's doing a 10-mile run. But uh, let's pray uh, before we come to God's word. Father God, thank you for bringing us into this place. And when we're in this place with your people, it does something to point us to the creator God who gave himself in Jesus for each one of us. And thank you for your word that teaches us new things about ourselves and about our need for relationship with you. We pray that that may be the case this morning, that you would teach us new things. And Father God, maybe there is someone here today who needs to take the step, that first step on a journey into relationship with you. Spirit of God, move in this place as we meet in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Good. Okay. So thank you for those people who've been uh, praying for me in preparation for today. I feel as though I've had my home group wrapped around me, which has been brilliant. Um, And I love just being able to immerse myself in a passage uh, in preparation to preach. Um, And this passage is no different. But I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach this morning. I'm not going to go through the passage verse by verse. I'm going to draw out some big themes and the focus is going to be on applied teaching. So what does this mean to us? And we're going to use Paul and Silas as that springboard to help each one of us uh, take something away this morning. So to signpost where we're going this morning, um, it's a bit uh, sensitive this, isn't it? I want to look at personal witness with authority. And we saw that in the account, and we'll get to that in a short while. I'd even like, and then I want to talk about true freedom in Christ. For those who are in Christ, who have had their sin forgiven, where does that true authority come from and that freedom, uh, even when you are in a prison cell? And then we're going to move into. Uh, look at the application of what this means to each one of us. So we're going through the whole of the Acts of the Apostles and the Spirit of God left to do even greater works in and through us, as said by Jesus himself. How do we get that sense of application and that, that experience every day, every week, every year of our lives? And then I want to just touch on a little bit worship and singing. Thank you so much for the martinets this morning. I know that you've come together um, and you, uh, as an eclectic group, have beautifully brought us into God's presence. And I just want to acknowledge that because we take it for granted. But when we sing God's word, it takes us right into his presence. Uh, And it, it sort of dilutes us and concentrates God in us. And we'll touch on that at the end. So thank you. That's the signpost. 
So this is the sort of scene that we have. And I'm just going to take us through the sequence of events uh, that were beautifully read to us uh, by Jan. Sorry, Andrea. Um, Initially, just setting the scene, um, Paul and Silas, because it would have been their practice to go to a synagogue to pray, uh, realised that in this setting um, there was no synagogue. They were on their journey through the uh, Aegean Sea. They were carrying God's word with them uh, and they were spreading the gospel uh, through that region. So they looked for a local place of prayer and that was down by the water. And that's where they were. And they were being followed by this lady who had the spirit of divination or she could look into the future and she was a slave and her slave owners made a shed load of cash from her. Now, I'm not here to give a, um, some sort of warning against looking at the stars or reading your star sign, but actually God's word is pretty clear on that. There is only one person who knows the future, and he holds the future in his hand, and that's God himself. So let's just be clear on that. So they were here. And the second thing is, that if we're serious about wearing Christ on our sleeves, not just in our hearts, and we want to be effective for him, it is about spiritual warfare. So when she was talking about, um, these are guys who talk about God and being saved, it wasn't necessarily within the context of the way that we know God. It would have been the gods of those days, Zeus, and to be saved is translated by uh, the commentators as actually being rescued or, or being on a firmer footing. So it wasn't quite as direct as we may imagine when we read God's word, but that was the context. The important thing is she knew that there was something special about Paul and Silas. And Satan, in the way that he works within the world will always challenge where there is an establishment of light. And God calls us to be light in the world. So Paul and Silas's experience is probably going to be our experience, and that's something that we accept. And that's why we need God in our lives working with us. And so the first evil force that they came across was this follow the top God declaring health, prosperity, rescue, salvation. That's what this this woman was saying. And she said it for a number of days. And she was following almost as though she knew that there was something special around Paul and Silas. The second evil force was that they were arrested for simply going about their business, i.e., gossiping the gospel, reaching out, praying, not that different to what the call upon our lives is in modern-day Reading. And the second evil force was, and this is really interesting, isn't it, in terms of what really motivates people, that sort of visceral thing, money. The money coming to the slave owners was threatened. Their pipeline of wealth was immediately cut off because Paul and Silas 
uh, in recognizing that this woman had a spirit in her. Paul, with the authority of God, just said, come out. And as we know, Jesus and his people have that authority. And that is the spiritual warfare we're in. The third evil force that they then met was the prejudice of the day. Actually, what was accurate is that they were Jews, but of course Paul had been a Roman citizen. And what went on was not actually legal, which is why the magistrates got a little worried after it had all happened and kicked off. And they'd found out a little bit more context. But how often do we find that in our lives today there is difficulty in the workplace or in the community because of prejudice? Do we dare to be different, to be Jesus in those situations? Well, Paul and Silas did, and that led them through to the rest of the story, the account that we heard. And it isn't just simply a story, and we can sometimes come to God's word in that way. This is a real account written by Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke, who was a person who addressed great detail in the way that he recalled the accounts that he was witness to. So what can we take from this? So the third evil force. So Paul and Silas, we could argue, were wrongly imprisoned. And they weren't just in prison, they were put into maximum security. The jailer had got this message that these were dangerous people and they needed to be locked away. So he put them right into the middle of the, right into the, middle of the prison and uh, he put their arms and chains, uh, put their arms and legs in chains. We might call that something like you see or describe it like something you see on the image. But they were going nowhere physically. Now you could say, with all of that had happened, i.e. we were just doing what God had called us to do. Uh, And then, for whatever reason, we've been wrongly accused. Well, we've seen that before. But then we were stripped and beaten. We were humiliated. We were isolated. We're sore. We're bleeding. We're in pain. And... We're now in chains right in the middle of a prison. Where are you, God? That would be the natural human response, wouldn't it? And the natural human response would be for Paul and Silas to feel a bit sorry for themselves. Do you agree? I mean, come on, guys. Give us a break. Come on, God. Give me a break. I'm doing what you've asked me to do. What was their response? They started to pray and sing. Well, that's a challenge for us this morning, isn't it? If you think about the things that we really complain about and then we we compare it with what their situation is, that's really enlightening for us, isn't it? And the signpost to think not about ourselves, but where are you in this God? And when we start to pray and to sing, that reminds us of God's word. And the more God's word we can get in us, the more it works through us. And so they started to sing. What a great example Paul and Silas are to us. And the God response was interesting, wasn't it? The God response was to bring about an earthquake. 
Now, that's a physical manifestation of God responding. And we can see that all through Christian history in different ways and different applications. This time, God just shook the very place they were imprisoned. And we're told that, uh, you know, it was a mess around the prison. Uh, And whilst the other prisoners had been listening to Paul and Silas pray and sing, and of course they were right in the heart of the prison, so the rest of the prisoners, interestingly, would have been around them, um, they also knew something special was happening. I don't know whether you uh, have seen Mission Impossible and the Ghost Protocol. Um, it's, a, it's a, you know, I love that type of film genre. Um, or Prison Break, you know. Um, when there is an opportunity for people to break out of being imprisoned, usually they take it, would you agree? So at the beginning of that film, the, in The Ghost Protocol, um, one of the geeks is controlling the doors of the cells and it pops open and the prisoner looks at it, well, that's interesting, it doesn't normally happen that way. And then all of a sudden, everybody's outside, the jailers or the guards are trying to challenge them, and then there's this big melee, and there's a fight, and there's blood, and there's, you know, brutality, and Tom Cruise, being the cool guy he is, just walks out, jumps over a barrier, and then points to a door, rescues somebody else, and gets out of the prison when they suddenly uh, bring about more magic. Well, you might have imagined that that was the scene here. An earthquake, doors came tumbling down, gates were on hinges, they were wide open, chains were physically broken. But what happened? Everybody stayed there. This isn't a normal account. If anybody needed a physical declaration that God is God, this is it. And as the jailer really became aware of the surroundings, you can imagine through the dust, he's thinking, I've had it, my life is at an end, my rulers are going to, you know, they're going to take all of my livelihood away, I'll be in prison, I'm just going to end it. So it's quite dramatic. You know, you could say this is almost suicide watch. This guy was going to impale himself on his own sword. And Paul and Silas shout out, don't do it. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Sometimes we need to say that to people. Don't do it. There is hope. And we know where it comes from. So their chains fall off. They're free. But the point that I really want to make is that they're truly free. Because they actually choose to stay. Anybody who is actually imprisoned, either physically or spiritually, would have made the choice just to run out of the jail straight away. But they choose to stay because they are truly free in their spirit, in their lives. They're no longer trusting on their own wits, but they're leaning on a holy and an awesome God. Sorry, I'll try not to animate so much next time. And they remain and respond to the jailer's question. Now, many commentators have really gone to town on this, and many preachers have taken this phrase, what must I do to be saved? But actually, if you read Tom Wright, who I've got great respect and authority for, happy to pass it on, um, 
Tom Wright's interpretation of this from the original Greek is not necessarily how we imagine how must I, what must I do to be saved. How can you get me out of this mess? That's his interpretation of the literal translation of the Greek. Now, how many opportunities do we have in life where people say, I'm in a mess, how can I get out of it? And it's interesting, we have this opportunity that Paul and Silas had with the jailer. So they answer him his question by basically taking him through a quick alpha. Because what they did was that they originally said, well, you need to just trust in Jesus. And that wasn't enough because then they took him into the word. And in taking him to the, into the word, he had this amazing heart response. And all his family were listening and they had the heart response. Isn't that wonderful? Out of this situation, God is at work, not in the prison, not necessarily in the prisoners' lives, that may have been the case, but he's interested in the jailer. And that's how God often works. He is interested in you. And maybe God's brought you here this morning to remind you of that fact, that he is interested in you. So in answering the question... They said, don't worry, we're staying. No one is escaping. Phew, the jailer says. Believe in the Lord. This, is, this event was a physical evidence of God. And then they shared the word of God to and with him and everyone else who was in the house. And they responded, boom, we have a new home group. Just birth there and then. And there's food we hear. The natural thing that they did was that they then, he said, you know, he bathed their wounds and come and around my, eat around my table. His heart was uh, really grateful. And there's water in this story. And I just want to just touch on that a little bit. Water washes physical wounds, doesn't it? But, you know, baptism, and we hear that the jailer and his household were then baptised, and this is a challenge to anybody who's not been baptised, but has had that call of God on your life, is that symbolism of being cleansed and washed internally. Our sin has been dealt with, and we're being raised into the new life that Jesus gives us. Water is a powerful symbol in God's word. Let's not miss that. So, let's move into the application. Let's see how long I've got. I've been enjoying myself. Okay, I've got eight minutes. Okay. So, what does this account teach me? Well, I think Holy Spirit living, which is what the Acts of Apostles is all about, is about acknowledging both sides of the coin. What do I mean by that? Well, one side of the coin is this new self. It's the jailer's new experience about reflecting Jesus, being his aroma, his light, his salt, his presence, his witness in our Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. That's the language that's used in the New Testament. What does that mean in reality to us? Well, it means in our community, in our workplace, and then in our wider society. That's what it means. And then the other side of the coin is the old self. And the old self is always at war with the new self. This is the spiritual battle that we have within us. What we choose to look at, what we choose to say, spoken across social media and the control or lack of control of our tongues, 
how we act and react. Think about Paul and Silas. You know, the simple reaction would have been, let's leg it. You know, God's brought about this massive worth guy. We're here unjustly, let's leg it. But no, they knew it was right to stay. That is the new self, not the old self thinking. Doing what is right. As I was preparing for this, I was reminded of that beautiful verse in Micah 6. What does God require of you? To act justly, to walk humbly. Okay? That's a call on all of our lives. So let's just touch on the confusion about the Holy Spirit in me, shaping me. And I hope I don't offend anybody in just uh, this little slide's uh, content. This, in part, I think, is partly created by the modern church. It's by a sense in which we can magically call down the Holy Spirit, which, whilst, of course, is possible and does happen, it can also create the impression that the Spirit is like this external presence that needs applying into our lives. It's a bit like putting on a cloak... Um, and it's a bit like, you know, we're here and the Holy Spirit is there and somehow we need to call it down. Well, I think that that is false teaching. The Holy Spirit, when we are in Christ, is in us and chooses to work through us. So it's our very body, it's our skin, it's our mind, it's our senses. And so it's important to grasp that if we want to see the Spirit at work in our lives, he's equipped us in every way to do that. And whilst we may come together and say, Spirit of God, move in this place, and of course that's the right thing to pray, don't underestimate that God has given you the tools to do what Paul and Silas is doing here. And look for those opportunities. Wouldn't it be great if our first prayer was, give us a Paul and Silas opportunity today? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? And Paul and Silas's lifestyle modelling is a challenge to us. It was contentment versus complaint. They'd been beaten. They were sore. They were bleeding. But they were content. They were doing what God had asked them to do. They were consistent in the way that they were living. How often do we make good progress with people and then something we say or a response that we do and it feels we've just taken that relationship backwards? Holy Spirit living in our lives is about being consistent. That is God's call on the new person, not contradiction. Oh dear, that's taking me right back. I don't know what happened there. Sorry. I'll have to get used to this. I'll have to uh, practice this. Sorry. Okay, we're back finally. Clear communication versus confusing message. What I've tried to do is just bring this right up to date. Sometimes my heart sinks when I see Christian friends and what they say in social media. You know, if you want God and his spirit to be working with you, think about the clear communication and the messages that you give. That's what Paul and Silas was doing. That's why this woman felt threatened with the spirit in her, because they were clear in what they were communicating. Let's be careful of that. Conviction versus complacency. And lastly, character versus old character. 
And the protagonist in this story, when you talk about old character, and this comes through scripture itself, is the central person in the story often referred as the story's main character. What do I mean by that? You are no longer the main character in your story if you're in Christ. It is Christ in me that lives in me and through me. And that's where we need to be if we're going to learn from Acts in the way that we want to see the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Amen to that? Amen to that. So our life in Christ means that life is not all about us anymore. As hard as that is, it is all about Christ. I don't like this flicker, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm going to bring my own next time. Just when I think I've made a good point, I'm back to the beginning. It's very sensitive, sorry. Okay, we're nearly there anyway. So Paul and Silas were treated. Thank you, uh, Paul and Silas. At last, she's saying, Paul and Silas were treated unjustly. They should never really have been treated in that way. Yes, it was unfair, but in accepting their lot, God created the conditions for His Spirit to really work. Isn't that amazing? I, I just love the way that God works, and we see it in the life of Jesus. He's not predictable. He'll often see things upside down and back to front. And that's exactly the situation here with Paul and Silas. And through their actions, they simply became vehicles for doing God's stuff here on earth. They were in the right place, in the right attitude, with the right mindset, open to what God wanted to do in and through them. And that's what happened. It's an unbelievable story, I think, this about walking um, out in this situation uh, and really just seeing God at work. You could sort of forgive them that, you know, after the earthquake, they sort of emerged in this sort of Hollywood style as, you know, Christians that, you know, God's power in them, walking through the rubble with hanging gates off the door. That's not the way that they did it at all. Their first thought was for the jailer, not for themselves and for the prisoners around them. And in sharing that, getting into the jailer's family and sharing their story of salvation with them. And the impact was much, much bigger. It was huge. It was life-changing eternally for the jailer and his family. Amen. So, but thanks, let's just think about a, a, few, uh, a few passages just to reaffirm that. Thanks be to God who always leads us and uses us to spread the aroma of knowledge of him everywhere. We're, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. You know, when you go out of here, rejoice that you are going to be really smelly for other people. Okay? I don't want you to take that seriously, Mitch. All right? You're really smelly. You are the aroma of Christ. When we are with people, they should realize that we are different. That's a challenge to all of us today. Since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we just hold on to... uh, Sorry, I'll read that again. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads... Sometimes we can just come to church, we can hear the, you know, great preaching, but it never really changes the way that we are. Let's use God's word today, not simply as an idea in our heads or as a sentiment in our hearts, but let it work out in its implication in every detail of our lives. Let us today, 
and tomorrow be different to the way we were yesterday. Because that's God's call on our lives. That's the true work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. And then finally, and this is just uh, an indication you guys can come up to the front uh, and get ready to uh, start leading us in worship, if that's okay. What happens when we pray and sing? That, that, I, I, I do mean that. I am finishing that. <laughs> Stop enjoying yourself, all right? You're on now. It's your responsibility. When we read God's word or when we listen to preaching or when we hear people praying or we pray ourselves or when we sing and worship together, we're really emphasising the new self on the new side of the coin. It's about getting God's word in us. And if God's word is in us, it can work through us. It reminds us that life is not about us. It is about what God's going to do in us. That's why we need to sing, pray, worship, hear preaching. The more of God's word you can get in you, whichever format, do it. Because it will make a difference. 1 Peter 1. Sorry, 1 Peter 3. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. 1 John 5. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Ephesians. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. All kinds of prayers. Don't, don't forget Paul's right in this. He's probably thinking about this as he's writing this to the letter of, uh, in his letter to the church in Ephesus. And pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me. Let's pray that for each other. That's what we can be doing in home groups, in fellowships, in communities like St. Matthew's. Philippians 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Then you'll experience God's peace. You see, these guys had true freedom. They weren't worried about the tomorrow because they were concerned about the day and God's work in them and through them. And when we speak to one another in in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, it's a wonderful thing. And often that's where the Spirit will choose to work because it reminds us that God's call on our life is to be more like him and less like ourselves. Amen. <laughs> That's okay. Thank you very much, Ian. It's uh, 